All right, let's get into it. Let's you have it. a voice again. <laughs> Three weeks later, and I can speak. Ugh. My voice has risen from the dead. I know that was rough for you. It was rough for me because I am a person who's constantly making noise. And so not being able to make noise was awful. It was so bad where I was, people would call me and I would have to ignore the phone call text him and say I legitimately can't talk what do you want and so for hours and hours I'm staring at my phone rapidly texting people paragraphs when it could have been a two-minute phone conversation right. but and it, also trying to convince people you're not just like lazy typical millennial scared to be on the phone totally <laughs> totally uh, no I legitimately couldn't say words so I tried to give several presentations that went horribly um, tried to talk to clients impossible my husband was the only one who benefited from this. <laughs> Even he was getting frustrated. He's like, just say what you want. I'm like, I can't talk. You're listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast with Cody Burton and Rebecca Scott. So three weeks away, mm -hmm. you're better. Lots yeah. has changed in the market. That is true. Maybe we should discuss that. I know I have a lot of clients asking a lot of questions. This has been kind of the craziest month that we've seen in a while because things have drastically changed in a direction that hasn't happened. We're used to seeing extreme appreciation spikes, um, houses going way over asking, things like that. We're used to that kind of change. What we're not used to is an extreme spike in interest rates. Yep. So currently rates for investment properties are sitting around 6%. I mean, just two months ago, we were talking about in the threes or low fours. Yep. Um, so how does that change things? For somebody wanting to get into investing, if they're you know looking at the current market saying, oh my God, we've missed the boat, we should just wait, or what's what's the advice now? So the interesting thing about interest rates going up, historically, that means that prices will be going down. However, we've seen so much appreciation that in all of the indicators that we look at, nothing says that prices are actually going to go down. Maybe they stabilize and plateau a little bit, which is also great and needed. But now we just have high interest rates with the same high price for the property. This is the first time that we've seen this in decades. Um, it will be interesting to see if prices go down at all. However, because we aren't seeing any of the indicators hinting towards prices dropping, they're just plateauing. Rents are still rising. So it's kind of this interesting upward trajectory of everything's going up, including your monthly payment, which makes it really tricky for investments. Yep. So the big question is, is it still a good time to buy? Right. Yeah. I mean, the question I keep getting is, you know, are rates going to come back down? Should we wait? And I keep telling people no, A, because there's still a lot of cash in this market. Yep. So cash doesn't care that rates have gone up. Right. So I don't foresee prices really coming down. I think you're right. I think we're going to see some stabilization. I think we're going to see a slow to how crazy quick things have been going up. But I don't see any indicator that things are going down. And really nobody that I've been paying attention to, nobody that I take seriously is saying prices are going to go down. Correct. So when you look at that and you say prices are not going down, but my monthly payment is going up, my buying power is going down, 
this is essentially what people who thought, you know, five years ago that it was a bad time to buy because we are at the top of the market. This is what they have been hoping and waiting for. Right. So mm -hmm. they're hoping that the prices plummet because inflation, interest rates, everything goes up. So interest rates are rising in order to combat inflation. Um, and so if they don't, if prices of properties don't go down, does it still make sense? And the answer is, well, maybe it doesn't make sense right now, but if you wait, you're going to be waiting for an undisclosed amount of time. Mm -hmm. You're going to be waiting for prices to go down. Well, if they don't, you just missed out on two years of appreciation. Oh yeah. I mean, I have clients pre COVID that, you know, we were out looking, they thought the market was too hot in 2019 and decided to wait then. And their clients that also are kind of friends of mine. So I keep in good touch with them and, you know, 2020 rolls around. Oh, it's things are even hotter. That crash is coming. We're still waiting. Yep. 2021 rolls around. It's got to be right around the corner. We're holding out even though rates are, you know, sub 3% at that time. And now 2022, oh, it's, it's coming. It's going to be there. We're holding out. We're going to buy that. But with all of the waiting, you know, maybe say 2019 was, you know, they did buy in 2019 and they bought high. Say the market does crash. I don't think it's going to, but say it does this year. The chances that the market is going to crash below what they would have bought it for in 2019, it's not going to happen, right? So they've missed out on three years worth of appreciation, waiting to try to time the market and get in just right. They've lost money. Of course they, they have. That's, that's, the simple, that's the simplest way I can say it. Of course. So that's the thing. Interest rates, all they are is a point of time. Mm -hmm. You know, you can say, oh, I was buying when interest rates were 3%. Great. That means you were buying in 2020, mm -hmm. right? So now you're buying at 6%. It's just a point of time. And the thing is, interest rates go up and down and they change every year. Prices of homes aren't that volatile. They don't fluctuate that quickly. So if you lock in an interest rate now... Obviously, do not get on an arm right now. If you lock in an interest rate now, you can refinance when it does go down. Say it goes down in one, two, three years. Great. Maybe your property is not performing as well as it could for a couple of years. But in the grand scheme of things, when you're looking at this from a 20 plus year um, timeline, then you can look at that bit, look at that and say, all right, for the first three years, my property was not performing as well as it is now because three years later I refinanced it. I changed my 6% interest rate to a 4% interest rate. And now my monthly payment went down. It could be as drastic as $400. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then for the remainder that you have it, you've got a super low interest rate. You have gained the appreciation on that property the entire time that you waited and you, of course, have debt reduction. Somebody else is paying it down. So rather than waiting to invest your money, wait for it to perform better. Still invest your money, yep. but just wait for it to perform better later down the road. Because that's all that you're doing, right? If you're not buying or investing right now, you're waiting for a property to perform really well before you buy it. 
or you buy it now and get all the benefit, the other benefits, tax write-offs, all of that, take advantage of that, but know that your cash flow is not going to be great. So these other ways that you're making money in real estate, that's still at work. Um, so you're just waiting for it to perform better once interest rates go down, but you still invested your money. Yep. Absolutely. And on top of that, not only are you getting those write-offs, not only are you paying down your debt, not only are you getting the, all the tax benefits, you're also locking things in. You know, Rates right now are at 6%. That feels really high because they've been low for so long. Um, but at the same time, we don't know what rates are going to do tomorrow. Um, it could go up. You know, rates are at 6% now. But, and if we go back to when our parents were buying houses, they'd say, oh, my God, I have to lock in a 6% rate because my first house was an 11% rate. Absolutely. We're just used to lower rates. Yeah, we've been spoiled for way too long. And so, you know, maybe 6% feels high, but maybe you wait and a year or two, maybe they don't go down to 4%. We hope they do. But what if a year or two from now, they're at 8 or 9%? Exactly. And then you're just stuck waiting. Like nobody has a crystal ball. I would rather lock in now and look back next year and say, oh my God, we're in such a better market. Let me buy something else. Of course. Rather than not do it and things go up and say, oh my God, I wish I had locked in. Because I have so many clients that I tried my best before rates started rising to get them into something. They're like, no, we, you know, we're at the top of the market. We can't do it right now. You know, what have you. And now they're all looking back like, oh man, we could have gotten something at 3%. I mean, I have a client right now, they're under contract at 5.75. Um, we were under contract on a different property last year at 3.75. Mm. And, you know, that property, it ended up not working out. That was no fault of their own. But it's just a good example of what could have been versus what is. I think it will also be eye-opening for so many people, especially new investors, because so many people are fixated on the purchase price, which is great. Do that. You know, it's important, obviously. However, no, but it'll be interesting to see how these new investors react because at one time when the interest rates are three, four percent, they were qualified for seven hundred thousand dollars. Well, now the interest rates are higher, may they may only be qualified for six hundred thousand mm dollars -hmm. now. Now you are in a different bracket of purchase prices, and so now the property and the product is different, and it may not be as high quality as you were once hoping that you would get. Maybe now you have to put more capex into it. And there's, there's just more things, or maybe you get priced out of a market. Now you're limited to what markets you can buy in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's an argument, right? Buy today. Cause you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, I think there are kind of two types of people when it comes to this, the people that are like me, like you, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I need to lock this in. And then there are people that are, you know, oh, my God, tomorrow it should crash. I need to wait. And those are the people that never actually buy anything. For sure. Um, say, you know, I'm somebody, I buy something now for 600 I don't think a crash is coming, so I go ahead and invest my money, put it all into this property. And say a crash does happen this summer, and I suddenly find myself in possession of a property that's now worth 550 Should I... Did I make a bad decision? Should I still buy? Why? What's, what are your thoughts? So the worst case scenario in every investor's mind is, all right, I'm going to buy a property for 600 and then six months later, it's worth 550 
right? And every single person is like, I lost 50 grand, you know? You actually didn't lose anything. It's the same as stock markets, right? If a stock plummets, which they often do. Um, as much, much more frequently, we should say. Right. Then as long as you don't cash out on that stock, you didn't lose money. It's the same in real estate. If you keep your property for another five years, I guarantee it will. I can't guarantee that. But if I were a guessing gal... <laughs> It, you've made your money back. So as long as you don't panic sell your house, you didn't lose any money. In fact, you still have a tenant in there, hopefully, that's paying you money and paying down and putting money into your savings account and the whole nine yards. Um, it is really interesting to me because right now we are going into a time where cash flow is really hard to come by. It is, especially in the markets that, that we are servicing. Um, and... People are not getting into real estate for negative cash flow. And what I mean by that is your monthly payment is more than what somebody else is paying mm -hmm. you in, in rent. And people just can't get past it, right? Well, think about it this way. You put money into this to invest. You put money into an IRA or um, other investment funds every single paycheck or month you add money to that. Mm -hmm. It's the same as real estate. Let's say you have negative cash flow and you having to pay $200 more than what somebody else is, is paying you in rent. Well, you're just putting $200 each month, just like you would into an IRA or something like that. You're putting $200 into your investment account. That happens to be in real estate rather than the stock market. Um, so it's no different, but because we are so used to cash flow coming in and that, that, um, is the reason why we buy, that's really not the reason you're, if you're a savvy investor, that's really not the reason that you buy. But so it's very similar to just putting money into an IRA. Right. And I think that's where you really start to see the investor mindset versus like a novice mindset yeah. is to a seasoned investor, cash flow is the cherry on top. Yeah. Cash flow is not the whole pie. And so I really liked what you said about not losing money because, you know, if, say I buy something at 600, this summer it's worth 550. Um, I didn't really lose money unless I sell it, A. Exactly. And B, you know, we know this from the other presentations we do and things like that. The housing market is not that volatile, but the rental market is even less volatile. So like the big, you know, what everybody thinks of when they think of a market crash, right? Everybody goes to 2008. We saw big, big dips in housing prices. We didn't really see dips in rent very much though. There wasn't right. a whole lot of rent growth. It was very flat, mm -hmm. but there wasn't any sort of dip. So if you are buying something that cash flows or it's a break even deal, you know, Say you lose $50,000, lose, you know, I'm doing air quotes for people that can't see. Um, but say you lose $50,000 in value, you haven't really lost anything, like you said, and you're also not coming out of pocket anymore because you already got the loan, you already closed on it. You have tenants that are paying down that loan for you. And that 50000 is going to come back. Like, it does. Over the long haul, which that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about 20 plus years. We're not talking about time in the market this year versus, you know, five months from now, eight months from now. So, I mean, the last 10 years, 
your appreciation's been about eight and a half percent. A, that's enough to come back from a housing crash. That is, if you're especially if you're buying in smart markets that aren't going to be as heavily affected, which right. is where we buy. And that's enough to come back from high interest rates too. Right. We're talking interest rates are at six percent. Over 10 years, we're looking at an 8.5% return just on appreciation, not to mention tax benefits and cash flow and debt reduction and all of the other pieces. And just in the last few years, talking about like my clients that have been waiting since 2019 to buy, um, you know, they've missed out on what, an average of 11% nationwide and yeah. probably close to 20% in the markets we're in, right. would you say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because we always say buy now, um, but truly time is the only thing that heals all investments. And there's going to be a roller coaster in that 20 years. Everything is volatile. Everything goes up. Everything comes down. You know, that's just where we are. And, you know, comparing things to 2008, 2009 is almost a disservice because we are probably going to see a 2008, 2009, so many times in our lives, people, when we were growing up, were like, Oh, you'll never see another recession. Cause you saw 2008, 2009. And that's a once in a lifetime thing. Well, with technology and with the internet and how everything is going, it's just more volatile and it's going to continue to get more volatile. Everything is, you know, we're going to see multiple recessions of types are just going to be different kinds. So the key is to stay consistent in everything that we do. And this is not just pertaining to real estate, but life, right? And investing uh, as a whole. If you take a holistic approach to your investing and you say, I'm going to buy a property once every year, once every five years, once every 10 years, whatever it is, right? If you do that, it's all going to average out. It's all going to even out. And as long as you stay consistent in your path, it will work out. You know, it's when people start timing the market, that's when you start losing money. One thousand percent. Because you just can't do it. We have volatility in this life more so now than anything else. It's only going to get more volatile. We just have to adapt every single time um, with technology that's what happens and that's what it creates. And so we don't have an option, but to deal with the volatility and we have to know how to make money in every single market. Mm -hmm. And that's our job. Yeah. And, and you beat me to it time at time in the market. That is when you lose money. Absolutely. Because the thing is, especially for novice investors that aren't doing this professionally, you're not going to time that market. Like right. you are going to end up selling when the market's high or excuse me, you're going to end up selling before the market's too high, buying when it's not at its lowest. So you're not really benefiting yourself there and you're going to end up losing a lot of money waiting in between. Buy high, sell low. That's what I always say. <laughs> Solid <laughs> advice. You heard it here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's Warren Buffett that says be fearful when people are greedy and yep. greedy when people are fearful. Yeah. And when people are fearful, when people are, you know, people are saying, oh, my God, you have to sell. We're at the top of the market, all of this stuff. No, buy. Yeah. Like, you need to buy when other people are worried about what the market's doing because, A, you're going to have less competition. And, B, if you're consistent, it doesn't matter as much. Exactly. 
and people now know because we do have access to the internet and we do have we've had it long enough to where we've endured hard times with the internet still being a thing and so people can now read on how to make money during these different times Mm -hmm. you know obviously there's a war going on um across the pond and unfortunately people get really rich in time of war that is just inevitable but it's because you can google how to do this or you know you've seen other people do it and they've posted it on the internet and so now you can read these articles of how to do it right Mm -hmm. and so it's the same in real estate you're like okay and there's so much cash in the market these days um people are just overall wealthier now and so if the market does tank well what happens it's not going to tank that low because so many people see a slight correction and they start buying because Mm -hmm. they understand what's going on they know what to do because they've read in the past of how how to combat this and how to get wealth through, you know, a downturn. Yep. Yeah. And you know, we don't disagree super often, but I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I don't think we will see another 2008, 2009 in our lifetime. And that you just hit on part of why Yeah. is a, I think, you know, mortgage regulation and all of that stuff is a lot more strict. It's yeah. way harder to get a mortgage. You know, they used to have stated income loans where you just said how much you made and nobody bothered to check it. Yep. Um, but that aside, you know, that right there is a bit of a safety net. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of that coin, though, is a lot of people learned a lot of lessons yep. during 2008 and 2009. And not just about overbuying and all of that. Those are the kind of lessons that people forget quickly. Mm-hmm. But people learned how to make money. And totally. so I think the next time we do see a little bit of a downturn, I don't think it's going to be as low. this big halt yeah. because there's going to be people like me and people like you and everybody we work with and probably 70% of our clients that when we see a bit of a downturn in the market, we all swoop in and buy Take up everything advantage. we can. And I totally agree. And I don't think we'll see it. A 2008, 2009 in real estate, we might see it in other areas, right? Like maybe it's Bitcoin or mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like that type of recession that will happen in other aspects of the economy and other investments in real estate. We are protected by a bunch of laws and sometimes those get overturned and you know, whatever, but mm-hmm. um, it's going to be hard for that to happen. And because when you go back to simple supply and demand, the demand for housing, I mean, we legitimately cannot build fast enough for the millennial population. Yep. So when you look at just simple supply and demand, it's not going to be a huge, this huge recession. Maybe will we plateau a bit? Yeah. Should we? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't, we also can't um, support this, extreme appreciation that we're seeing in all these other markets and people are getting bought out and having to move to the middle of the country, whether they want to or not. And they're having to move into these markets that they, now they can afford, you yeah. know, that's why you know what we're going to do. We're buying those markets first. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're seeing a bunch of people leaving California. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. You know, we see, that's just one more argument to buy in real estate, right? Yeah. Like we can't build fast enough. This is a problem that going back to 2008, 2009, you know, I didn't think this would be such a recession centered podcast, I know. <laughs> but going back to 2008, 2009, um, one of the rippling effects that we still see now 
is builders have been very scared to build on the same level that they were building in 2006. Yep. Even though we're 20 years later, mm -hmm. 15 years later, we aren't seeing those massive projects. And we're also seeing builders that want to build, that want to sell before construction begins a lot more than we ever did prior to 2008. And so you're right, we can't build fast enough. And because builders have not been building to that level for the last decade and a half, we have a huge backlog of what does need to be built. Yeah. So it's one more argument by real estate because they're, you know, that's always the joke, they're not making any more land. But also we have a huge backlog, builders aren't gonna fill, yep. and prices on lumber and everything else has gotten more expensive. It's horrendous. Right so now. a lot of what is being built right now is more of a luxury offering, yeah. which, you know, we've said on this podcast before, it's not where we play when it comes to investment. We don't buy the penthouses. Right. And so it's just one more argument to say, hey, you need to buy in real estate. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, I don't know if I have told you this yet. I don't know. I don't think we've had a conversation about this, but that's one thing I'm looking at talking about kind of where the market's going. You know, I have a lot of millennials moving into housing. We also have a lot of boomers that are aging that don't necessarily want to leave their house, um, but maybe, or don't want to go into like a um, nursing home. Yeah. And so one thing I've been kind of looking at and I'm in the very early stages of it is looking at more of like an active living style type yes. community. Yep. And I think that's going to be one of the next big booms. You know, mm -hmm. it's something I'm looking into how to invest in it, how to make money there, because it's only going to demands only going to go up. Absolutely. Um, I actually have a lot of thoughts of this. We can chat offline about, I have a client who does the exact same thing. Really? Mm hmm. <laughs> Maybe we should chat online. We'll do yeah. a, we'll do a whole nother yeah, podcast. We could, yeah, we probably could. I think that would actually that would be a fun one. Yeah. We'll circle back on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the market update. Um, did you have anything else to add to that? All in all, in times of uncertainty, you want to create more stability in your life, and that's done in real estate with real estate. Um, I think it's funny when people say in times of uncertainty, like there are times of certainty because those don't exist, right? We never know what's going to happen. We can guess until we are blue in the face, but all times are uncertain times. So create stability with real estate is probably the most important thing for me at least because I like security and I like as much certainty and I like controlling what I can control. I know that there's so much out in this world that we cannot control and that's great. It's supposed to be like that. So let's control what we can control Buy as much real estate as we can. So our nest eggs, our savings, our investments are secured and they are certain. Hmm. That was a great way to end this one. <laughs> I mean, talk about like that realization that there are no certain times. That's words to live by outside of real estate. Absolutely. And I think people who like us or like those clients that do buy every year, that kind of buy regardless of what the market's doing, I think that is what they live by. Whether it's they'd put it so concisely, which you did very well. <laughs> um <laughs> I think that is the mindset of, you know, I know how to stay the course. 
I know that things are uncertain. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing today because tomorrow might be better because yeah. tomorrow might also be worse. And so I'm just going to do what I know needs to be done in this moment. Exactly. Control what you can control. I love that. Well, on that note, <laughs> let's. Um, we're going to end this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you are enjoying it, don't forget to subscribe so you see when new episodes come out. Uh, we are on Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, all the fun things. So if you want to connect with us, we love meeting the people that are listening to this podcast. Um, if you have any questions, definitely send those in as well. I think Instagram is probably the best place for that. Yeah. Um, or mailboxmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love answering questions and we are currently compiling a list of those questions to make its whole episode about. Uh, so definitely send those to us if there's anything on your mind.